This is Critical Nonsense, our high lowbrow show about culture, science, and tech. This week, Aaron, Joey, and I talk about the familiar unexpected. It just takes some time. Little boy, you're in the middle of this podcast. This is what a Joey sounds like. This is what an Aaron sounds like. <laughs> and this is what an executive producer and Jess Eat World, Jess Vander, sounds like. Hi, this is Jess. Um, Eat World. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Jess, you said that there is some important housekeeping that we need to get to, in which you are right and I am wrong. Hmm. Oh, no, that has nothing to do with the show. That's just sort of like a general. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's outside of the show. I thought it was a corrections department. Got it. So I. <laughs> no, that's just our the personal de- feuding. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. Yes. That department goes very far and wide. <laughs> between the Aaron's, two Aaron's favorite department in which yes. Jess and I argue before we start every episode. And Aaron says, uh. it's okay. Keep my parents together. Uh, Literally, all I can be is Don King in life. It's the the plague of the Libra. Can't we all just get along? That's all. That's all I ask for. It's like, yeah. You know, uh, what is what was the movie about divorced kids in the seventies? Uh, oh, in the seventies, I'm thinking about Parent Trap, Man of the House, but Parent, the Parent Trap, Trap is probably better. Yeah. When was the, the one- Parent Trap one? Ooh, Last Action Hero. I mean, there's a lot of them. I don't know. This is not 70s. I'm just being an asshole. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Kramer versus Kramer was what I was thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meryl. It's either Kramer versus Kramer of, or Man of the House. It's either. Yes, yes. You know. And it's there's nothing in between. <laughs> or Problem Child I and Problem Child 2, which is Ooh, the better. Yeah. Those are serious yeah. movies and very messed up when you watch them today, if you can even find them. It's either Dustin Hoffman or Chevy Chase, one or yeah. Problem Child. I think his mom died, though. Oh, okay, that's fair. Oh, that's right, because it was a lot more sweet all the way through. No, that's true, and that was kind of the unlock of like he had feelings. And but then Problem Child didn't... Two, children Ooh. of divorce and lost parents coming together, both problem children come and become friends in their puckish affairs. We should have just said Mrs. Doubtfire. What were we thinking? Okay, I'm sorry. We're taking all the time away from the episode. Jess, you yeah. came to the the tableau with some sort of thought. You had a thought that we are eager to hear about and so that we can discuss and dissect and, and chat about it. What, what's on your mind, Jess? What okay. is your face, Aaron? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if only people could see the contortions. Okay, yes, Jess. Sorry. The contortions. Okay, so I am embarrassingly behind on the times, late to the game, since before I was born, I think, (laughs) the mochi donut has existed. This is, uh, probably in its most recognizable form, a sort of bubble ring of little uh, pearls of mochi that have been fried into donut form and often flavored with different things. And I tried one for the first time uh, about a week ago. 
And it was a revelation to me. I am half Chinese and I grew up having mochi in uh, sort of like the general milieu of Asian snack foods, you know, that, mm. that wasn't something mm. unfamiliar to me. Um, but, and, and certainly have had donuts in my lifetime, the, the cakey kind and the, and the yeasty kind. And we can talk about that at a later time. But the, the idea that these two things would come together was like a type of textural flavor experience that I had never anticipated. Um, and I was talking about it with one of our coworkers, Lindsay, and she was like, yeah, you know, there's this weird thing where like the greatest foods are what we like to call she's like something that she's working on is like the idea of familiar unexpected where something is just enough familiar that it is you know tapping into some memory space for you or it feels comfortable it feels safe it's something that you're drawn to because you know it but then it surprises you it delights you in a way that you didn't even know could be a thing and that for me was the mochi donut it was so crazy mm. and i just wanted mm. to pick your brains as of when was the last time that you experienced something familiar unexpected can we have just a quick point of order is the donut flavored like mochi or do they take the glutinous rice and deep glutinous fry the rice. glutinous rice deep fry glutinous rice huh it's like a chew. It's like got the. Uh, it's got sort of that spring, that delicate, delightful mochi spring that happens, which I think mm. there is a name for that I am forgetting. But I'll let you know if I think of it. Um, but it has that very crisp. Exterior. Second second point of order is the mochi beaten by an extremely strong, extremely tiny geriatric Asian woman before making the donuts because mm. that is mm. where the love comes in. And also, mm. like, watching people make mochi and other glutinous types of things is like a... Th I could just sit... <laughs> like, that would be like an ASMR equivalent for me of, like, the the old women in China that were, like... I, I saw making these types of things. I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> if it doesn't have mm. it, then I don't want it. That does sound amazing. I The one that I tried was at a place called Ali Mama in uh, lower Manhattan. But, you know, I, there are many a place to get. Do you have an unexpected familiar experience? Well, I've been so quiet here because I'm like plumbing my depths to figure out what they are. And I, I can think of the, I can think of two. One's a big bucket. One's a specific thing. Can I share both? Is that okay? Yes. Yup. Yeah. Okay. So the first one, <laughs> okay. So this is not, this is a video game, not a uh, food stuff. Cause that's where. I kept on going to experiences. And so I've been playing Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which is first person action adventure game. It's arguably my favorite type of genre. Like if you've ever heard me talk about games on the pod, it's like uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. It's Uncharted. It's The Last of Us. Like it's my favorite. It's my favorite thing. And I find myself like 
I don't want to go the Ubisoft route where it's just like open world maps of to-do lists because that's just life. Um, that's work. I, that's my job. That's just that's literally work, and so I can't deal. But I love these like very narrative forward. Like there's a clear path you have to follow, and you like it's it's much more contained. Put me and on so, a journey. Put me on a journey, and, and like m- give me some stakes, and give me like ways that I that my experience is going to get enhanced every few minutes. And like what I thought going into Jedi Survivor, I'm not a big Star Wars person. Like that's not one of my preferred IPs. I just never got into the world, but I it's huge and I appreciate its cultural relevance, whatever. So I've always been kind of afraid of anything that's in that world, but I was like, let me just give it a whirl. It's probably close enough and I heard it's got good reviews. I didn't it's a sequel. I didn't play the original one. It has been everything that's expected of an action adventure game that I would like with just enough on top of it that's slightly different. The combat like the actual like the combination of like how they've expanded what swordplay is to actually work for a lightsaber, how your lightsaber changes over time, the stances that you take and how the actual combat then changes over time, how you use the force and like the Jedi capabilities are very different than just like powers that I love from Bioshock, which is kind of like also in this same sort of world. So like, and then the biggest thing though, the how do you have a, how do you have a heavy lightsaber? That's a big question. Yes, yeah, that is a thing, and I don't like using does the, the lightguard stance. Does the light weigh more? It's it is a they. It's a whole thing. It's the cross guard stance, and you swing a lot slower, and it's like it's cool, but it's not for me. I'm like a dual wield and a double bladed guy. Give me those two stances, and I'm good. But uh, the traversal—that's what I got to talk about because like getting around in that game is the most fun that I've had in a game in years. It's just like. They figured out a way to make getting around the space its own blend of like parkour mechanics and a little bit platforming (laughs) and a little bit action adventure. You do a lot of wall walking. You do a lot of like dashing. Like they make lots of infinite gaps that seem like you'll never be able to cross eventually crossable depending on like learning a double jump and a dash and then like grabbing on with your grapple and then swinging. So it's very, it's very exciting. My voice, you can tell I get very excited. Hardcore parkour. Hardcore parkour. So, so in this case, Aaron is the, where does the unexpected part come from? Is it just that Mm. the gameplay is innovative? Is it Mm. the Star Wars-iness of it? Great question. It is the gameplay. The Star Warsiness of it and the like depth of the world are commendable. Like it's very well thought out. It's very rich, fairly lived in. I believe there's not enough NPCs. It feels kind of empty. That's my only critique. But like, and and the actual environments are very diverse and very like, very interesting. But it's the actual, I think it's the traversal mechanic itself that made it so unexpected to me. Like. In some games, and they didn't, mar- to me, I, as far as I know, they didn't market it as, like, a gimmick. They didn't market it mm-hmm. as, as, like, that's the reason you play. They marketed it as, you get to be a Jedi. And actually, then, the traversal was such a surprise and is so delightful and continues mm-hmm. to get more and more interesting that it's just, like, yeah, you didn't, you didn't tell me that. I was ready for lightsabers. I was ready for, like, very difficult droids. I was not ready for walking to be fun. <laughs> and that's this, great. The, that's awesome. What the one I think 
video games is like a great example, Aaron, of like when mm. when you're um like you know the characters or you you have an idea of what to expect from like a Mario game or mm-hmm. a Zelda game or or you know a BioShock game or or whatever, like you kind of have some idea of what you're expecting or a Souls game, right? But then Elden mm, Ring yes. came out and they built a bunch of new things on it or you know, the Breath of the Wild came out and everyone was like, oh shit, this is very Zelda and very new. Like, mm-hmm. that's a, and, and what it's making me realize is that this is, this idea of unexpected familiar is iterative creativity, right? Like, mm. it, it fits, and, and that made me mm. think about mm. music, I think, is a place that I get this. And then yes. it made me realize that unexpected familiar may be why people like, the voice or American Idol or any of those things is because you know most of the songs, but they're being sung by someone else who may be right. able to put a little sauce on it that makes mm. it yeah. unexpected. And like, that's yeah. the whole thing, right? And it's like the predictable piece is essential because you need it to be comfortable enough, right? But it can't be so comfortable that it's boring because then you're like i already have i've I've done that i've heard that i've played that versus like something new and it goes really deep into western i mean i'm now i'm going to western music we've talked about this before when it comes to like scales and modes and like how like the tones upon which we have carved out like this is this is going to be the like the tool for all music is Mm -hmm. abcdfg and then sharps and flats but like chord progressions, like when you think about it, doesn't even have to be as close as a cover and like hearing somebody do the same song. It's also when you hear a chord progression that comes from something that's familiar and it's either done with different instruments or mm-hmm. it's done in a different order. Or if you do it like inverted, which is like, you know, if you've got a C major chord is C E G and you play it E G C, just throwing the C on top. Sometimes it's a little bit like, oh, I didn't expect that you do something different with it that's like the most that's the most simple that i can make <laughs> yeah it's it's why like i like sampling yeah sam- sampling that's, for sure yes, yes yeah. yeah uh emerson i'm trying to remember what the song was the other day there was like a cover we, i just put on either like spotify dj she i have like a little speaker and she listens to music when we're riding into school and so i put on things that like either a playlist or I'll make a radio station or whatever off something and then cross my fingers that it's not torture. Um, and there's a, a sample that came up from like a late nineties hip hop song. And she was just singing her own uh, lyrics to it on the back of the bike. And I was like, so delighted by it. Mm-hmm. But I think sampling or like covers that go like genre leaping, like when, yeah. uh, yeah, you know, I think a lot of people don't like genre leaping covers, but I yes. I personally like them. Like when that like Wait. bluegrass group, uh, I think it's called the, the Carolina Teardrops or something, did a, a bluegrass cover of Shoot 'Em Up style. They are all black folks bluegrass fans. <laughs> Important just to say for that one. Yeah. But it, I was like, yeah, bluegrass Shoot 'Em Up style is like, let's go. I also love the idea that. This could also, this concept has an uncanny valley component of like mm-hmm. everyone being so upset about the 
new Aladdin soundtrack of like, mm. no, it's too familiar. It, it's so it's like so familiar and not enough unexpected that it's making me angry. Yeah, it's same, same, but different. You need to go yeah. beyond same, same, but different. You it know, needs to be okay. meaningfully different. You've just struck the chord. So the other that I had two, you know, that were coming to mind. The other big one is roller coasters. And it comes up in two forms. Like, because like literally you can, of course, I'm going to take it to roller coasters. I'm surprised. <laughs> you went video but, games and roller coasters. <laughs> it's like, shocker. Just play the hits. Play the just hits. Just play the hits. You know, when you're not prepared, you just go with your soul. So A, <laughs> you can look at the track of a roller coaster and get where it's going to go. In most cases, if it's outdoors. Two, it is arguably never more fun than the first time you write it because that's the first time that you're actually thrown about and surprised wow. by it and there's like a whole thing in like the coaster nerddom community about like whether or not you should watch a pov video on youtube before you mm. ride a new coaster because it kind of spoils it it makes the it'll deaden the experience some people say like it's a physical experience so it can't be spoiled but there's still literal expectations especially if you have like a layout that you can't see the rest of mm -hmm. like you're gonna have things ruined for you but when you just described these things that you know the path, like uh, boomerang coasters are like a standard model by a company called Vacoma. They were installed everywhere in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. They're just, it drags you up a hill like behind the station. You do a uh, an inversion that's called a boomerang where you sort of do a half loop and then a half corkscrew. And you come out of it and go out the other end. And then you'll do one vertical loop and then back up the other hill and then it pulls you up and you do the exact same thing backwards. And like that model is cheap. It's easy to install. It's easy to move to other parts. So they're everywhere. So many people hate Vacoma, hate boomerangs because it's like the experience is the same. I know exactly yeah. what I'm going to get. It doesn't matter if I'm in a different country. It doesn't matter if I'm high up or high down. It's the same thing. Similar, Vacoma also has a model that they've just recently fixed that's called the... Um, it's a DLC, SLC, SLC, suspended looping coaster. If you ever see something, you should Google it ahead of time because I know you're all going to do it. If you know that a model is a Vacoma SLC, don't write it. Your ears are going to bleed afterward. It sucks. It hurts. It's the exact same layout everywhere and they're manufactured like crap. So wow. similarly, you can have this sort of, it's less the uncanny valley of like, it's too close. So I'm disappointed, but more so like, why do we keep making the expected thing that's terrible over and over and over again? Yeah. Because we know it's going to be bad. Um, they've just updated a new upgrade to the model and are putting on new uh, new cars. So it's it's changing. I think. And I'm done. <laughs> and my <mic> drop. <laughs> uh, I think stories and, uh, and both movie. I think it's like in story constructs, maybe as well as potential mm. like conceits. You can get this sometimes. I was thinking about it recently. I'd gone through like another wave of listening to a bunch of books in my in my sort of annual cycle. Like certain points when s certain sports seasons wane down, and there's like less sports podcasts that I'm listening to, and other things are like on hiatus. I wind up just like gunning through a bunch of books again, and I was trying to think about the first time I remember the sort of story conceit within a book of like you have you're doing the constant back and forth chapter to chapter like one chapter is one person's track and the next chapter is the other person's mm. and it bounces back and yeah. and things like that but there's like a the book. warrior series the cat clan books typical mm, typical yes typical. To to totally 
everyone's base example of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the the book by Adrian Tchaikovsky, The Children Children of Time, was interesting because so many of the pieces were familiar. It was doing that thing where it was bouncing between at least two narrators, if not three. Uh, I guess at some point even more. But the narrators were of different species. So then you're getting like the way in which the stories are being told are different. Like the plot point is like it's a it's broadly like what you might categorize as a space opera, but it's kind of hard sci-fi, but not quite like the individual pieces were all familiar, but the like re like mixing of those and reimagining of those like somehow got it into this like familiar unexpected place that was like super delight in in I mean, a lot of people were delighted by it. It's been written and and spoken about a lot, like that trilogy of just like pulling people out of their anthroperspective or anthropomorphic perspective. But like that, I was like, none of these individual pieces feel different, but somehow the like the sum of the parts like achieve like cross that uncanny valley in in some way to like familiar unexpected. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it should be said, like, it is so not binary. Like, everything that we're talking about is reminding me that, like, I feel like the big question that always comes up is, like, how familiar is the right amount of familiar? Or how much unexpected will someone be able to take on board before they reject and say, like, I needed more familiar? And, like, that moving, that moving middle, I think... I find it really interesting. Like when it comes to different forms of media, I feel like that alone, I have a different capacity or like I'm inviting a certain amount of being thrown around in that way. Like yeah. one of the things with the cat warriors, no, I haven't read the cat warriors or the cat clan. Damn. I was going to try to. The warriors. The I see. It's Thank about you. cat clan. I see. Very, well, in that example, very important <laughs> literature. <laughs> we must all know. In that example, and enjoy your example too, like I, it's like I use these things to make decisions. Like I need, if I know a book is going to cover, like kind of be function that way, I'm actually excited about it. I, I just, I tend to love narrative written that way and yeah. it's accessible to me and I'm open. Um, But if you throw another device that's too unfamiliar and too clever, I always talk about um, Blindness by Jose Saramango which is a very, very interesting book that's uh, built on the conceit that what if one day everybody in like uh, a cohort of the world just went blind and blindness was a communicative uh, disease that could be passed from person to person. Um, The book is written without punctuation in most places. So even as a reader, it's so clever and infuriating. And I know that that's like a really cl- that's amazing that an author can engender that just by using language. But like uh, too unfamiliar, like you have sent me down into if I saw that used in any book, I'm going to reject that book. I couldn't even finish the book because it was so infuriating. Aaron, I have a novella for you that just went through a wave of like uplifting and the reason i'm bringing it up also is because it, so it won a hugo i believe for best novella but it, mm. it, it i think it fits the components of what we're talking about so it's written by two authors i don't mm. know if they each played one of the characters but there's largely like only two characters 
It's called This Is How You Lose the Time War. Um, and the characters are red and blue. And mm. each, each like chapter starts with the POV of one of either red or blue, like in situ somewhere. They encounter a letter. I won't go into it more than that. And then the letter is read from the perspective of the other character. And the next chapter starts from the perspective of that character that just wrote the letter. And so it's this exchange through mm. a time war uh, between mm. these two people. And so like two authors writing it already, like, oh, that's kind of interesting, but only two characters that back and forth can see, but one extra layer of complexity that the two, the two storylines are talking to each other. And it, it's like really fun and like uh, intense and interesting and good. Um, so this is how you lose the time war. I need it. I need <laughs> it very much. I'd like that. I think it's only like um, 150 pages too. So, you know, like. I'll f- ooh, I'll finish it by July 2026. <laughs> yes. Yes. Are you finished that Stephen King book yet? No. <laughs> No, and I started another one in the middle of it too. So I'm stuck in the middle of both of them. It's very confusing. I, I believe like a year ago we were like, uh, I love the Stephen King book. It's short literature, it's short stories. I can just read them one at a time. It's great. I finished a thing and then here we are. Here we know are. Know thyself. Know thyself. Yes. Speaking of which, this is as good a time as any to plug our critical nonsense book club which is bookshop.org backslash list backslash critical nonsense book club you can also just go to search critical nonsense on bookshop.org and you can uh look at all the books that we've ever mentioned on the show ever in case you're running out of ideas of what to read now cat paws is gonna make it cat paws what is the cat clan the cat clan (laughs) no the warriors has the cat clan warrior cats the series of books <laughs> of dueling, mm, mm, warring mm. factions of mm. semi-spiritual cat <laughs> fighters. <laughs> that's basically no, your D. No, that's basically your D and D character is that. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> no one else. No one else has read these books in their in their childhood. No, no, no. Mm, that's fine. I look forward to again reading that in 2028 as soon as I finish <laughs> Stephen King. So I'm I'm stacking them all up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Does this? Yes, yeah. Yeah. It's wrap up corner time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The fam- our familiar segment of our episode. Can you make it unexpected? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, that's too much pressure. <laughs> um, too much. Yeah. But- Every time it's something new, starting with a mochi donut, taking Mm. our traversing journey through the walls of Star Wars digital Mm -hmm. spaces into the land of coasters you should never traverse, and then Mm. maybe music, and then maybe backwards again on the coaster, and then (laughs) books. Do we know where we went? We're not sure, but what we do know that is that it is nonsense. So is that familiar, unexpected to a T? We don't, I don't, yep, cats? 
cats. That was the best <laughs> rap. That was so layered. You had us on a Vacoma boomerang coaster as the wrap-up corner, and you did it live. That was dope, Jess. Damn. All right. That was good. Thank you for that. Snap, 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 snap. It's just sort of poetry. It's like spoken word is, <laughs> is what this is. Well, folks, you share with us your familiar unexpected experiences at our email. You know it. Critical nonsense at sylvain.co. Critical nonsense is a Sylvain production. Brought to you by Ho Ho Ho. Ha! You didn't expect that. Doppler effect. <laughs> I guess. As so. always, we'd like to thank our executive producer and human Doppler effect, Jess Vander. <laughs> Doppler effect. Would like to thank. <laughs> I'd really like to thank sound engineer and master of the Doppler, Alex Contel. <laughs> uh, we'd like to thank Les Jacobs, and he's a special guy. I did it all wrong. Programming coordinator programming and really great person. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, it's okay because we have doppel gangers of Sarah Gilbert and Nora Mestrich. <laughs> They, they look, for your I can't tell help. them apart. Uh, <laughs> and as always, thanks, Alain. Thank you. <laughs> okay, special thanks to Rise to of Guntard Doppler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need to start with Doppler. You're right. You're right. He really, sp- yeah. he featured heavily in this episode. <laughs> what was the one you were saying? I didn't mean to interrupt you. Just Rise of the Resistance, just to like bring in amusement parks and you know uh, uh star wars ip that ride don't do a pov of it if you can get to florida get to california that's worth every cent that thing is not a roller coaster it is the coolest ride in existence period it's dope thank you to the mochi donut and its creators most likely hawaiian for fusing two beautiful things to make a third beautiful thing Thank you to them. Um, thank you to the makers of Pikmin and Katamari Damacy because they both yes. have new games coming out very Do shortly. They really? Pikmin 4 and a reworked version of We Love Katamari are coming out in oh. June and July. But they've reworked the physics engine and added gaming dynamics to We Love Katamari. Listeners cannot hear me being frozen on the screen, like with a face of just happy, ah, I didn't know that and I'm really happy. So I'm going to narrate it. I guess I just did. That's very <laughs> exciting. Thank you. It sounded That's like, cool. it sounded like really happy. <laughs> Uncontrolled <laughs> joy. Ah. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I just also want to thank y'all. It is a pleasure being able to ride the roller coaster of this podcast with you every day and wonder is the restraint locked? Who knows? I might go fly it out at any minute. Oh <laughs> but it's God. great. Terrible. And I'm so sorry for people who are driving. That's such, I've made a lot of noises that are distracting. That's terrible. Go. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you on the next one. Bye. Bon weekend. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
up with Ruben.